Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is TTS Thursday number four. Today's topic is triathlon run training, after which we will have covered all the three disciplines, so swimming in TTS Thursday number two and biking in TTS Thursday number three. But before we get to today's topic, big thanks to our sponsors, Zen8, that you can find on zen8swimtrainer.com. The Zen8 Swim Trainer will help time crunch athletes get more consistency in their swim training when you lack time to get to the pool or when pools are closed. Uh, the Zen8 Swim Trainer is an inflatable swim bench, so you can store it very nice and small by deflating it again. And uh, the inflatable uh, inflatability of it means that it has an instability element that uh, forces you to activate your core and which makes it a very specific exercise for swimming also the fact that you're uh, lying down on the swim bench means that it is much better than the typical standing stretch cord exercises that has you strain through the posterior chain and now you will be in horizontal position just like you would in normal swimming and again making it that much more specific to actual swimming also the height of the swim bench is designed so that you have to work on your high elbow catch you can get the zen8 swim trainer for 20 percent off by going to zen8swimtrainer.com forward slash tts and the price of the swim bench is uh, just around the order of what you would pay for a pair of good running shoes uh, when you take that discount code into account so it's a great deal and thank you also to roca that you can find on roca.com Roka are the leading manufacturers of wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses. And uh, in the eyewear category, both sunglasses and uh, for sports and performance, as well as prescription glasses and sunglasses, Roka have been really uh, pushing the envelope in recent years and uh, becoming uh, one of the major brands in that category. Uh, I have used uh, different pairs of sunglasses and prescription glasses through the years, including the Matador sunglasses and the Jeep GP series sunglasses, uh, both of which I ha- I love, and also the Rory prescription glasses, which are great. And uh, Roka are just pushing out innovation after innovation in their eyewear category, including things like blue light blocking lenses, virtual try-on options, a virtual vision exam so that you can update your prescription from the home, from your computer. Uh, you have the opportunity to get home try-on options of the prescription glasses. Uh, with the sunglasses, do you have all the things like the Roka C3 optics, super light, ultra light uh, materials, sweat-proof, fingerprint and fog resistant, and so on and so forth. And above all, they're incredibly cool looking, all of them. So go to roka.com forward slash TTS and get 20% off your order of Roka products. All right, let's get into today's topic, which is run training for triathlon. And as we did in the previous episodes, let's start by discussing the demands of triathlon running. Uh, This will be quite similar to what we talked about for cycling last week. The intensities we race at in triathlon in the run segment range from around LT2, the second lactate threshold, or what we commonly refer to as simply threshold in many cases, uh, even a bit faster than LT2 for a 5k in a sprint distance, at least for uh, the faster athletes, uh, down to the high end of zone 2, which is around your first lactate threshold or LT1 for Ironman racing for more advanced athletes that can hold that sort of 
pace, but that Ironman race pace goes down in relative as well as in absolute terms for athletes that take longer to finish the event. So a lot of athletes will be doing the Ironman marathon at a low zone two pace or even at the zone one pace. So it really is kind of capped at just a bit faster than LT2, but then the intensities are anywhere from that zone four in a five zone model to zone three to zone two and yeah a a big range but none of them is super fast because the fastest one is just above threshold for really fast athletes it's uh, also important to note that the run obviously takes place after completing a swim and a bike which sometimes can be very long depending on the race distance of course Uh, and if they're not very long then they have typically been very intense so no matter what you will not start the run in a fresh and recovered state This means that the triathlon run, just like the bike, is about being able to hold that relatively high percentage of threshold and VO2 max while already tired and having already expended a significant amount of energy. In addition, not only do you need to be able to do this from a metabolic and cardiovascular perspective, be able to hold that relatively high uh, effort, which is not high, but let's call it a moderate intensity for a long time, But also, from a musculoskeletal perspective, you need to be able to get across the finish line before you incur so much muscle damage from all the pounding that you're forced to slow down whether you want to or not. And this is particularly relevant for the longer distances because in in a sprint or even in Olympic, those sorts of muscle damages don't really have time to occur. But for half and especially full distance uh, Ironman, this uh, this becomes a factor to account for. In terms of just terminology, uh, the terms that I often use and many others use are not really physiologically defined here or scientifically defined or anything, but we often talk about strength and stamina to refer to the ability to hold a relatively high effort level for an extended duration. And uh, this includes metabolic, cardiovascular, and musculoskeletal attributes. So yeah, being able to both, to from all those perspectives, go relatively hard for a long time. And the term fatigue resistance that we talked about last week as well can be used as a term to describe the ability to have only a very small drop-off in performance even after having expended a significant amount of energy, such as when you come into T2 uh, in particular in an Olympic or a 7.3 or an Ironman race. In the sprint distance race, of course, you have expended quite a bit of energy because it's very intense, but it's not at the level of an Olympic or a 7.3 or Ironman race. You might uh, also want to uh, ask, well, what about running economy? Running economy, for those not familiar, is the ability to produce a high speed for a given amount of energy turnover in terms of oxygen consumption. So, for example, two runners with the same uh, the same VO2, uh, VO2 max or the same running at the same oxygen uptake. And let's say they have the same VO2 max, they weigh the same, they are running both running at 80% of VO2 max. But one runner can be faster than the other because they are more economical. They use that oxygen better to, uh, to, to create forward propulsion, to create speed. And running economy is often touted as a key variable in distance running. And there is plenty of evidence supporting this. And also in triathlon, and there is certainly some evidence here. But uh, there is also some recent evidence, uh, which is from... Uh, from amateur athletes and i think we will actually hear about that in an upcoming podcast interview that indicates that economy might not be uh, an important marker of performance for amateur triathletes and this research was from an olympic distance race it's just one study so of course we always need to be careful with extrapolating too much from that but the fact is that 
most if not all of the other research i believe all of the other research that has been done with running economy in triathlon is in elite athletes so so it is quite interesting to to find that maybe economy is not so important for amateur triathletes at least not compared to elite athletes uh, however uh, let's just not extrapolate too much from that but uh, but also i think it was clear that the economy is not necessarily as big a priority as for example things like vo2 max but also the strength and stamina aspect of being able to hold a high percentage of vo2 max for a long time without fatiguing metabolically cardiovascularly and uh, musculoskeletally so so that's uh, an explanation for why we won't really talk about economy while we're on the topic of performance predictors in triathlon I already mentioned VO2 max here, but uh, just as we talked about last week, VO2 max, your maximum maximal oxygen uptake, and your first and second lactate thresholds, LT1 and LT2, they're all very important for triathletes um, and as well as for distance runners in general. So have, having a high VO2 max or a high LT1 or LT2, uh, that's that's very important, uh, but it's definitely something that is not unique to triathlon running. That's something that is good across the board in distance running uh, unless you're an 800 meter runner or a miler then an lt1 high lt1 is not necessarily super important even though yeah even at the mile distance you would you would need to have a high lt1 and in particular high lt2 and, and vo2 max either way uh, if you're running 5ks or marathons you need them all and, and that goes for triathlon as well basically if you want to perform to the best of your abilities you need to hold a high percentage of your threshold or a high percentage of your vo2 max however you want to to measure that uh, but you also need that vo2 max or that threshold to be high in the first place because ho- just holding a high percentage of something low is still going to be something low but holding a high percentage of something high that's where the magic happens and that's where you start to go really fast so to summarize in terms of the fitness uh, demands of triathlon running they are strength stamina and fatigue resistance these are key factors that are quite specific to triathlon although there are of course other endurance sports that also have these same demands but then of course we have the the usual suspects common to most endurance sports and definitely to distance running from 5k and up with 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 them being vo2 max uh, and the first and second lactate thresholds lt1 and lt2 but one second part uh, in addition to the and the physiological and physical fitness aspects of uh, demands of triathlon running i think that mental skills and the ability to suffer is another important demand of triathlon uh, running because the triathlon run really can be excruciate, excruciatingly painful and i find it quite different from regular road running uh, in that in a normal road race you often start the race feeling good and fresh obviously you tire and you start hurting a lot at a certain point you're always trying to get the most out of yourself and have emptied yourself at the finish line so that doesn't really change but it's just an in triathlon you need to go through a lot of pain from the very first step of the run for example in a triathlon half marathon you yeah you suffer through the entire 21k because you've already done so much work whereas in a regular road marathon if you are fit you will run hard from the start so it won't be easy it won't be uh, it won't be pleasant from from the very first step but i don't think you suffer from the very first step i think that i would say that you start to suffer maybe halfway through or something around that so running is extremely painful in itself and requires a ton of mental strength but i think triathlon running amplifies this even further and take it to an, takes it to an almost ridiculous level because of the fact that you've done the swim and the bike before uh, 
So, so that's it. Uh, that's that's the second part that I think is really important in addition to the physical part. And of course, the mental part is important in the swim and the run, but the uh, swim and the bike as well. But the run is where the race finishes, and that's where we have that we, where we are already really really tired when we start that. So I think that it is uh, it is more important in the run than it is in the uh, on, on in the swim and on the bike. So let's discuss some run training tips and key principles. And just before getting to them, uh, just a note that, uh, as we discussed last week, there are naturally going to be some differences in how to train depending on what your goal distance is and what your ability is. The training for a beginner is much different from that of an advanced athlete. And we discussed this quite a bit last week in the bike training episode, so I won't go into as much detail. But generally speaking, the more you fall on the beginner side of the spectrum, the more important it is to simply focus on getting a few basic things right, mainly being consistent and also on doing both hard and easy running and not get sucked into doing all your runs at the same kind of hard intensity. Uh, Of course, it's also very important to make sure you build up the endurance to actually be able to just simply go the distance of your race if that is something that, uh, that you're still working towards and you haven't actually done the distance yet. Uh, these basic things are still, of course, important for advanced athletes. Uh, but for advanced athletes to find improvements, they do need to be. The more advanced you get, the more you need to be very structured and deliberate in your training compared to beginner athletes to make significant improvements. So uh, let's run through a list of top tips and principles regarding run training for triathlon. And number one is do not get injured. Most injuries in triathlon happen in running or through running and uh, even more so if we're limiting our discussion here to overuse injuries and exclude for example bike crashes as traumatic injuries uh, it is overwhelmingly the case that that's almost all overuse injuries come from running and getting injured destroys consistency which as you know is the most important thing of all so not getting injured is really a number one priority to not get injured you need to be smart and sensible about training and about run training in particular you need to build up volume and intensity with caution realize that it takes time to be able to do that and also that there is no hard and fast rule there's no 10 percent rule that <laughs> i think actually works even though that's one that you find on the internet uh, but how much you can build up how quickly you can build up that is individual uh, the the only way to know that is to listen to your body and uh, and if you have a good coach communicate with them constantly and be sure to let them know uh, how you're feeling let them know especially if you have a niggle coming up and be sensible whether you have a coach or not when you do experience these small niggles you need to you need to consider it and and uh, make an assessment of what to do it doesn't mean that you always have to stop running completely when you have a niggle it might mean just monitor it and don't let it get any worse or it might mean drop some intensity but otherwise keep running or it might mean taking a few weeks uh, not not weeks a few days off running Uh, and as an athlete this is something you learn through trial and error but uh, let me tell you it can be a very long and difficult process Uh, i say this as somebody that got started in uh, distance running 14 years ago and have experienced a number of injuries running injuries during that time i've never had a swimming injury i've never had a cycling injury but i've had a number of uh a number of running injuries and uh, and that has sometimes kept me away from running for months so today I, I am of course much more capable of making smart decisions with regard to my running than 14 years ago 
but still after all of this experience i still feel that left to my own devices i'm not going to make as good decisions as if i have an objective voice of reason in my corner in the form of a coach uh, because nobody no matter how they try can be completely objective about their own training so that so this is one of the key uh, key benefits to to me i feel about having a coach to have somebody be objective about what you should do when you uh, when you might not be quite sure and you have different options to select from all right running tip or number two is to do strength and conditioning work and it might seem a bit counterintuitive to have strength and conditioning as number two already on this list before we even get into any actual run training tips but this is because uh, it's kind of a corollary to tip number one of not getting injured Uh, so of course you can also get a direct uh, performance benefit from strength training uh, but uh, but even more important than that, I think it's just that it's such a, an important part of injury prevention. Strength and conditioning for running doesn't have to be complex or time-consuming. There are some key muscle groups and key uh, movement patterns you want to make sure that you strengthen and uh, or activate. For example, many of us are running around without being able to fire our glutes or running around with an anteriorly pil- tilted pelvis uh, due to poor core control and core strength or uh, due to poor strength for activation of the posterior chain so strength and conditioning for injury prevention uh, doesn't have to include heavy lifting so heavy lifting being defined as lifting with low reps but high weights as we have talked about many times before on the podcast that kind of lifting is uh, important for the performance improvement aspects although uh, you can definitely improve your performance by just doing more sort of bodyweight exercises if you are lacking in things like core strength or core control uh, or a number of other factors that, that, that's not to but that, that's not to exclude that that can help your performance and definitely performance will be helped just from the fact that you're not getting injured but uh, to get all of the performance benefits that you can possibly get from strength training for that you need to do uh, heavy weights low rep lifting as well uh, because that really helps improve your running economy that has been shown in both elite and amateur uh, athletes in many many times uh, but but to stay in injury free it's i think is enough to do regular home-based circuits of exercises targeting things like your hips and your glutes are super important your core and not just your abs but your entire core uh, lateral movements uh, because in triathlon we move so much in uh, the sagittal plane and uh, we don't do any frontal plane movements so lateral movements so side lunges being an example of that and uh, the posterior chain uh, which is also something that many of us especially sitting down having sedentary jobs the posterior chain tends to be very weak and inactive and the calves hamstrings glutes and back they're all part of that posterior chain I think that for many, uh, three times 20 minutes of strength circuits at home per week is enough, uh, especially if you don't run on any particularly high volume. But if you are somebody who runs at a higher volume and or if you have a history of running injuries, you may need to do a bit more. Uh, Just uh, some other words around the lifting heavy. Of course, right now it's not possible for a lot of people to do that due to COVID-19 and the gyms being closed. Although, as I've recommended many times before on the show, uh, buying an adjustable kettlebell can help you get around that and do heavy lifting at home. But when it does become possible, again, (coughs) to go to the gyms, excuse me, as mentioned, it does have the potential to improve running economy and therefore performance. 
basically you will be able to run faster without improving your engine or using a higher percentage of your capacity for this kind of lifting the standard recommendation is to do two to three lower body exercises per per session two is enough i usually would prescribe two lower body exercises and one upper body exercise and each exercise would consist of two to two to three sets of four to six reps at a weight that is manageable but challenging and uh, it could be the rep range could be argued uh, for example we recently uh, had an interview where we discussed the range being as high as maybe four to ten reps i generally tend to favor the lower rep ranges of four to six reps personally but that's not to say that it wouldn't work with uh, with higher rep ranges but classic complex movements work best for in terms of exercise selection so things like squats deadlifts uh, hip thrusters and so on and uh, one more thing i also think that strength and conditioning and in particular lifting heavy it helps a lot with making your muscles more resilient to muscle damage and because triathlon races are so long and that is something that can be a real issue that even within a race you start to slow down due to muscle damage towards the end of the race especially if the course includes a lot of downhill running uh, think something in distance running like boston marathon is of course the famous example of this which is actually a really difficult course even though it is a net downhill course but but that's because running downhill is really really hard and damaging and the eccentric strength built from strength and conditioning work in general and in particular with uh, with weights and heavy weights that can help you become uh, better able to resist that muscle damage all right so that was number two strength and conditioning and number three is uh, biomechanics uh, improving running biomechanics uh, it's important here to emphasize there is no one correct or best running form uh, there is maybe a best running form for each individual but there are probably a lot like hundreds of variations of what the best running form might look like for an individual and but that still doesn't mean that running by biomechanics isn't important and that you cannot improve it uh, running biomechanics first and foremost can lead to injuries if it is suboptimal but uh, but also it can lead to better performance if you manage to improve it the first step to improving your biomechanics would be to clean up uh, any glaring issues that might lead to injuries like severe overstriding which means that if you're landing far out in front of your hip instead of landing more or less underneath your center of mass uh, some other examples would be poor posture so that could be leaning forward that uh, anteriorly uh, tilted pelvis that we talked about or poor pelvic control uh, so that an example could be a hip drop so when you when your right foot hips to, hits the ground your you also sink your your right side the right side of your hips uh, drops uh, compared to the left one uh, so that is a hip drop and uh, these are all and that that, is, that can put a lot of stress on your it band on your and your on your knee basically compensatory movements so focusing on biomechanics uh, it can be a really good way of preventing running injuries um, and to focus on biomechanics other than uh, than identifying and trying to like just deliberately correct glaring issues some of them the overstriding is just about changing the way you run but things like the hip drop for example is more about strength and conditioning work and then through that helping change the way you run um, but 
generally speaking if you don't have any glaring issues and just working on improving biomechanics and being a bit more efficient uh, to me the best way of doing that is to run at many different speeds and in particular high running speeds so that doesn't mean that you have to go out and do track workouts every single week but doing things like strides in at least on a weekly basis or if not more is really important or like really fast and short high intensity intervals like kind of a sprint interval training type could help as well uh, those these type types of fast running they force you to adapt adopt your best biomechanical patterns and over time you should try to transfer as much as possible of that over to your sub maximal paces as well uh, so so that's that's one way to just make sure that you regularly run really fast that helps with biomechanics and then the other thing is just focusing on it in terms of like how you think when you're running being curious about it and experimenting for example you could experiment during runs with uh, testing how your posture impacts your run speed and your perceived effort uh, and a third thing that can help is to run hills i think that hill running can help improve biomechanics because it forces you to actively produce all the energy into the ground yourself it also encourages a higher knee lift uh, or hip flexion as well as a stronger arm action so we'll talk more about hills later but hills are great for biomechanics as well uh, i'm not a great fan of run mechanics analysis or clinics to be honest I think there are very few people out there that are actually so good at it, good at that, that they don't end up overcoaching the athlete. So while I happily, uh, more than happily encourage, encourage any athlete I coach to go and get a swim video analysis, when it comes to running, I, uh, I'm always hesitant and I would primarily want the athlete to simply get a video themselves from a family member or friend that I can look at because I trust myself not to overcoach the athletes by mechanics or not try to make a big overhaul which I don't trust most service providers, to be honest, in running biomechanics analysis to, to do. Uh, but that being said, if you have somebody with a remarkable track record uh, and knowledge of the topic, uh, I'm thinking about somebody like Bobby McGee, who is a past guest of the podcast, then that can certainly be a good thing to do. Uh, but, but I think that's the exception rather than the rule. Tip number four is to run hills. And it's fitting that just last week I published uh, the interview that I did with Leslie Patterson on off-road triathlon, but just also general training tips. And she talked about a number of ways in which she prescribes hills in her coaching and talked about how important she considers hills for triathlon running. And I 100% agree with all of that. We talked about the demands of triathlon running and it being a lot about strength and stamina and how hills really help you build that. But also, as I just mentioned, uh, in addition, it helps build biomechanics. And uh, if we just very quickly, in terms of the strength and stamina aspect, dive into some nerdy details for those of you that enjoy that, what happens when you include a significant amount of hill, a significant amount of hill running in a workout is that uh, you have an increased requirement of producing force when running uphill because you don't have the elastic energy return and you need to fight gravity. So due to that higher force requirement you will need to use more muscle fibers to produce that force and you will start to recruit fast twitch fibers to help uh, reach that amount of force and uh, and it, since you do need to run those hills uh, a lot due to, during that workout a lot being relative but we're not just talking about a 10 second sprint here we're talking about minutes if not tens of minutes if not a couple of hours in the long run uh, so uh, since, since you have to do that you're basically teaching these fast twitch muscle fibers to work more oxidatively 
and not fatigue as easily and become more efficient over longer durations of exercise. Another aspect of hills is that what goes up must come down and running down hills really helps make the muscles more resilient to muscle damage. Although at first, of course, when you start doing things like this, you might experience a lot more delayed onset muscle soreness after running downhill. But uh, in the long term, if you gradually increase your amount of hill running and downhill running, then you will become more resilient to this kind of damage. And that also means that you can avoid experiencing that late in races. And uh, so you can do better in races, but also possibly you can be more resilient in day-to-day in your training uh, because your muscles don't experience muscle damage as easily anymore. I'll give an example of a hill workout uh, later towards the end of this episode, but uh, in addition to specific uh, specific hill workouts, I also like to just generally when you go out and do your endurance runs, try to do them on a hilly route, uh, either on roads or trails, uh, but getting plenty of both uphill and downhill running to just build strength and stamina and, stamina and res- resilience to muscle damage as part of your regular endurance runs. Because it's not always about how fast you're going. You don't need to focus on on pace or whatever. But, uh, but it's about the adaptation that you get out from a workout. And doing endurance runs as hilly endurance runs, I think, is a great way to get some, uh, quote-unquote, free adaptations. So, so I, I really think that is an, an important thing you can do in addition to specific hill workouts. And uh, there are lots of things you can do. Uh, again, I'll describe one workout later. But the key point is embrace hills. And for more on hills, check out episodes 277 with Leslie Patterson and episode 203 with run coach Pete McGill. Tip number five is to build a strong base of low intensity running. And uh, because intensity in running is uh, exponentially more risky than adding intensity on the bike and in the pool, just in terms of getting overuse injuries, uh, getting soft tissue as well as bone and tendon injuries, uh, it means that we simply cannot go out and run hard or even moderately hard every single time we, we run. So we need to build a base of running uh, that consists of low intensity running which would be zone one zone two in a five zone model the good thing here is that uh, you can get quite a bit of crossover effects uh, to running from uh, the training you do uh, on the bike in particular but also potentially in the pool Uh, your cardiovascular system is after all the same in all sports uh, even if the peripheral adaptations are more unique to each each sport Uh, But when you have a good base of low-intensity running, you combine that with uh, the crossover effect from cycling and swimming, and then you have your one or maybe two uh, key harder run workouts per week, then uh, then you're fine. You don't really need, you don't need any more than that and, and train harder any more often than that or run harder any more often than that. So building your running base based on low intensity is super important. Uh, it's important to note that where in that low intensity range you should be really depends on things like your recovery profile how quickly you recover uh, your running ability what goal races you're training for for example if you're training for sprint distance races you can do your easy running very very easy Uh, whereas if you do ironman races then your low intensity running can be quite steady because it actually ends up being quite specific for the ironman anyway in that way Uh, but there are many things there that we could go into but uh, that's for another time but uh, one thing i do want to point out is that many triathletes get quite caught up in their paces for low intensity running when usually you don't need to be that 
I'm a fan of using heart rate and RPE as the primary guides for low intensity runs, uh, at least uh, at least some of the time. And uh, pace or power would be the main guides for intensity in moderate or high intensity runs. I do recognize that heart rate can be a bit tricky, and with some athletes, you you simply can't seem to get a good gauge of the exact heart rate zones without actually going into a lab or doing a lactate test. Uh, so so in, if that is you, if it seems like, well, you just can't run at a low enough heart rate for where you think you should be, it may be that you either, if you really want to use heart rate, you need to go to a lab and do the testing to actually establish what your easy running should be like based on lactate measurements or uh, simply rely more on pace zones and rpe so that, that is something that happens for some athletes but for many athletes i think using heart rate and rpe as the primary guides in low intensity running uh, works really really well rpe should definitely always be up there uh, in in whatever training you're doing uh, so again just to summarize build that strong base of low intensity running and then just add the frosting on the cake with the with a harder running then number six is specificity so based as a consequence of the above we potentially do a bit less hard running uh, than we do hard cycling and hard swimming and uh, in addition we know the demands of the race as we already talked about you come into t2 you are very tired already and in that situation what you can do fresh in a running workout on a track for a set of 400s that's really not as important as what you can do in say a threshold workout at the end of a tough training week when you're already carrying fatigue in your legs so with likely spending less time doing more intense work on the run than you do in swimming and cycling we need to be mindful and deliberate with how we use that time and in a lot of cases it comes down to some sort of specificity this doesn't always have to mean exactly race pace, but as discussed last week, specificity can mean working at intensities at or around race pace. So if you go slightly slower than race pace, that would mean you're building an endurance support from below. And you can also build that speed support from above and both are valuable and relevant. So let's say you're training to do a one hour, 30 minute half marathon. Uh, then that requires running at four minutes, 15 seconds per kilometer or 6.51 per mile specificity here could mean anything from around 430 per kilometer which would be the endurance support to four minutes flat per kilometer which would be the speed support or roughly 714 to 626 per mile so i mean these are not exact numbers but this gives you an idea so when you add this specificity of training on top of the low intensity base of running uh, then that gives you a really good starting point for how to structure your your run training of course, there are times during the season when you want to be doing more fast, high-intensity work, but a fair amount, and, and actually, if you're training for a sprint distance, then a lot more of your specificity will be high-intensity, and even for an Olympic distance, if you are a faster runner, because then you can be running at uh, close to your threshold pace or at your threshold pace for an Olympic distance, and uh, meaning that some of your speed support will actually be in the severe intensity domain, so probably be high intensity work rather than moderate intensity work but uh, but if you're somebody who is slightly slower for the olympic distance or you're working towards 7.3 or ironman races then a lot of that specific training will be more moderate in nature rather than intense so for those athletes where specificity is more moderate yes you do want to add high intensity work at certain parts of the season and focus on that as well uh, but 
yeah, keep in mind here, specificity is very event and ability dependent. Again, if you're training for a sprint distance race, then specific training will include a lot of running at and above threshold. Uh, but if you're training for an Ironman, it will be more about doing long runs with a lot of mid-zone 2 to mid-zone 3 in them, for example. Maybe some speed support in zone 4, uh, so things like that. Specificity becomes especially important in the last four to eight weeks before the race, but I think that in running in particular, since triathlon running is so uh, such a strength and stamina dependent sport, the specific period can perhaps be slightly longer than in the other two disciplines. I, I really think it's important in running. Tip number seven is to focus on duration of time in zone over intensity. Uh, and this really goes across the board for many workouts. And basically, it's something that happens in not just running. But uh, to explain what I mean, uh, quite often, uh, let's say you do a set of 400s, you do 10 by 400, and you run them in 80 seconds, a minute, 20 seconds. And that is quite hard, quite fast, and you feel pretty much spent after that. Uh, for many athletes, it might make more be, make more sense to do something like uh, 15 times 400 and do them at 84 seconds so because simply based on their ability that 80 seconds might just be way way faster than they will run in a race even a sprint distance race and it doesn't make a ton of sense to be doing a lot of that sort of work even if you do that for really high intensity purposes and and getting to uh, let's say a high percentage of vo2 max you might get that same effect with slightly easier but uh, or slightly less slightly slower running but doing more of that so essentially what i'm saying is that quite often we get the trade-off a bit wrong when we would choose the trade-off between duration of work of hard work and the intensity and we should quite often err a bit more on the side of doing more of that hard work rather than doing it faster uh Tip number eight is around race planning and execution because what you have done leading up to T2 can have a big impact on how your run will go and will have a big impact on how your run will go. And uh, again, the longer the race, the more uh, the, the more important this becomes. But your pacing on the swim and the bike as well as your nutrition and hydration, uh, that can really make or break your run performance. Also, the ability to consume energy and hydrate, hydration on the run as well uh, so that you keep making sure that you don't get dehydrated or run out, out of carbohydrates that is critical and it should also be practiced in training uh, so have a race plan and follow your race plan and also make sure that you have practiced it in training so that you can do it on race day it is quite common to see athletes work harder and harder in their run training to fix the problem of never being able to put together the run in a triathlon potentially even injuring themselves in the process when just working too hard when the actual problem is one of maybe going too hard on the bike so an incorrect pacing or not fueling and hydrating well and finally number nine is psychology mental skills and ability to suffer the triathlon run is a physical and a mental test and uh, i always find that the days when you run the best are also the ones that hurt the most because when you're running well you get a positive feedback loop of this is going well so i'd better keep pushing uh, and i can have an excellent result but of course pushing that much also results in hurting really really bad and it is difficult to be able to embrace that uh, and you need to develop some mental skills to be able to do that and we could talk for hours and hours about this i encourage you to check out introduce 
uh, episodes number 108 and 96 with uh, Dr. Juan Dalcador and uh, with Kerry Cheadle, respectively, and also an upcoming interview with Simon Marshall and Leslie Patterson to get more information about mental skills and sports psychology. But two mental skills, I think, are probably the best ones, at least to me, to help you get through that triathlon run are positive self-talk and segmentation. Positive self-talk, I think, is the one uh, the one mental skill that really has the strongest scientific evidence behind it. And this includes things like just talking to yourself, telling yourself things like run strong, run light, um, you're looking good, uh, keep, uh, keep lifting your knees, uh, keep focusing on arm action, those sorts of things. Uh, so it can be affirmations and, and it can be pro- process-oriented uh, process oriented uh, uh, instructions for how to, or cues uh, cues for how to be running uh, and it can be just yeah affirmations said about how you're feeling you're strong uh, you've got it in you you've trained well those sorts of things uh, so use positive self-talk it is really powerful and it really really works that is there's no doubt about that segmentation means breaking up the race into shorter segments and then just negotiate yourself through one segment at a time quite often uh, running courses are based on laps so you can let's say you have a four lap course just thinking about one lap at a time and not thinking any further ahead than that and just telling yourself to get through this uh, this one lap that you're in but even as the race goes on i find that you need to segment into smaller and smaller segments and uh, really focus on getting to the next aid station perhaps or getting to the next uh, lamp post getting to the next competitor ahead of you all these little micro segments that you can create can really help you to just stay in the present moment not think about how much remains and uh, and all the pain that you need still need to go through but just the pain that lies immediately ahead in the next uh, minutes a couple of minutes or, or a few seconds until that next segment ends so you can and should practice both of these aspects in training uh, but also I do find that racing is different than training and I do believe that the more you race the better you get at these psychological and mental aspects of racing getting better at suffering and pushing yourself uh, to the limit and I think I have talked about this in some recent episodes but I think many triathletes should race a lot more and that that would really accelerate their improvements so those were the nine tips around improving your run training and I'll just quickly run through a few common run training mistakes to avoid Number one is to build up volume and or intensity too quickly. This is definitely the most common one. But not far behind is ignoring niggles uh, and not being sensible and flexible uh, and getting serious injuries as a consequence to not being sensible and flexible when niggles come up. Uh, not Just simply not taking care of yourself. And uh, yeah, so that is a mistake number two. Mistake number three is to do too much high intensity and do that high intensity too hard. And perhaps as a corollary to that, and maybe not getting enough time in zone when we're talking about the tougher workouts. And uh, finally, mistake number four is to avoid hills instead of embracing them. Because yeah, hills can be quite kind of tough. And also uh, in this Strava world, they reduce the average pace of a run. But again, uh, it's race day that matters. So embrace hills because they will make you faster. And then let's talk about some example weekly structures. And as I have said in previous episodes, there are a thousand ways or a hundred ways you could 
structure your running week uh, this is not to say that these are like the best ways of structuring a running week these are suggestions that could work well for a typical athlete and let's first start with a beginner that might be running twice per week where we're talking about the triathlete and then i would just say one of these runs would be a longer endurance run and uh, maybe include some strides in that and then one run would have either a continuous longer segment at threshold or close to threshold or maybe some longer intervals at or just below thresholds uh, so so that's uh, that's basically the structure that i would say is really good for a beginner and uh, and i'm i'm assuming here that uh, in this case we're probably training for a sprint or olympic distance race and uh, when we get closer to that race then that threshold run can become more of a race pace run and this depends on how fast the athlete uh, in question is uh, over that distance they're training for if we talk about intermediate or advanced athletes uh, i think that you should have a running frequency of three times per week ideally but if you have a if you run twice per week then the same as for the beginner really uh, is what i would recommend with three times per week i would say have one longer endurance run with hills and could possibly be trails once you get closer to races then maybe you could have that endurance run also have a fast finish so 15 20 minutes of a faster tempo or even threshold effort at the end uh, one of the runs could be an endurance run with strides or hill sprints and uh, then we could have a def- the third run would be a threshold run or a race pace run and uh, then if we're running four times per week then similarly we would have one longer endurance run with hills uh, maybe on trails and maybe a fast finish closer to the race racing season starting another endurance run with strides or hill sprints and one race specific run whatever that is and one speed support for that race specificity or endurance support for the race specificity those could alternate so let's say you're training for a 7.3 then every other week you could do the second workout could be faster than race pace and every other week it could be slower than race pace and of course there will be as we discussed already times during the year when you might and and should focus on more high intensity above threshold these example weeks just show very specifically how to tackle what we already discussed being the most important demands of triathlon running strength and stamina and fatigue resistance but of course vo2 max is of great importance and the second threshold is of great importance so there will be times when more high intensity will and should be a bigger focus Uh, so yeah let's uh, finish with some example workouts and these are for an intermediate level runner so you can scale down or up accordingly an endurance run well this is probably the most difficult to to give an example of because it depends so much uh, du- the duration will depend on your goal distance and where you are in the season an, an olympic distance athlete never really needs to go longer than 90 minutes i think whereas uh, for half distance training an intermediate athlete can get away with mostly doing 90 minute runs as the longest run but then during the specific preparation do some runs that are maybe an hour 45 or maybe even a two hour run every once in a while actually it doesn't have to be during a specific preparation it can be earlier but i do like to have a few of those longer runs in there uh, as well for an intermediate athlete and uh, endurance runs can be made even more productive by including some variations to them like as already seen adding strides or adding hill sprints and also by running them on a hilly course whether it be roads or trails Uh, but taking care not to overdo it when running uphill because you don't want to turn it into a 
tempo run or a threshold run, but uh, but getting that muscle, uh, getting those muscles to work and produce that force as we discussed. Now the heel workout that I teased earlier. Uh, so something that I like a lot is to do kind of depending on how long a hill you have, but doing doing repeats up that hill at just a tempo to threshold heart rate. It could be something like six times five minutes if you have a five minute hill. And then just run down to the starting point with good form and without breaking. So this is one of the challenging parts of this run actually to practice running downhill with good form. And especially the first time you do this kind of workout, you can have some muscle soreness afterwards with all the downhill running. This run can also be done on a treadmill uh, or if you have a shorter hill, then of course you can do shorter repeats up that hill than the five minutes. But uh, if you do it on the treadmill, keep in mind that you can't do the downhill running. So there is a benefit to doing it outdoors. Although that being said, if you are quite sensitive uh, to pounding, then perhaps doing it on the treadmill could be a smart thing to do because the downhill really is uh, the most, the highest and strongest impact that you will experience and the most risky in, in that manner. Uh, an example of a threshold workout, uh, which would also be a great specific Olympic distance uh, workout, would be four times eight minutes at threshold pace or just below threshold pace, and the rest could be two to three minutes. Uh, an example of a fast finish workout could be a 90-minute long run that includes, uh, let's say, 30 to 50 minutes of steady, so high zone two effort level or pace or heart rate. And that steady could be running on hilly terrain. So, okay, not pace, but high zone two effort or heart rate. And then finishing that run with 20 minutes at zone three tempo pace. And an example, high intensity workout, which uh, follows the uh, principle I described about doing maybe more duration and at, at higher intensities, but less so focusing on really fast intensities would be five times four minutes at your 10k pace if you're running a 10k in faster than 40 minutes or close to 5k pace if you're running a 10k in slower than 40 minutes and the rest could be two minutes between those intervals and uh, doing it at a pace basically that is very hard and challenging but feeling that you could have done just one more uh, if uh, if asked for it all right that's it for today's TTS Thursday. Uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, I want to mention that we are looking to add an, another coach to Scientific Graphlon. And if you are an experienced coach, you should have coaching experience of at least two years. Uh, if you are knowledgeable about triathlon, endurance training, science, and you are passionate above all and dedicated to your athletes, then please email me, michael at scientifictriathlon.com, uh, with your coaching CV and to hear more about the role, and we can have a chat. Uh, I will link in the episode description to a number of episodes about everything from running biomechanics, strength training, uh, hill running, and psychology. There's a number of related episodes that I kind of mentioned here uh, or topics that we talked about that will be in the episode description. So check them all out and check out the TTS Thursday episode archive as well. If you didn't already listen to the episodes on swim and bike training in a similar style to this one, make sure you go and do that. Uh, I think that you'll find them very useful as well. And check out TTS Thursday number one from three weeks ago when we discussed periodization. 
if you are interested in coaching or training plans check out scientifictriathlon.com even though we are looking for a new coach we still have a few slots available so now is a good time to get in uh, while you still can because there are a few slot av- slots available Finally, thank you to Senate. Uh, use the Senate Swim Trainer to improve your technique, power, and stamina, even when you don't have time to go to the pool or when pools are closed. And do that while practicing good core activation, thanks to the engineered instability of the swim bench, as well as a high elbow catch, thanks to the height. Get 20% off your order of the Swim Trainer with the promo code that you can get on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roca.com. Uh, check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses and get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roca.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.